So that's, again, if you're a crossword nerd, it's a big weekend. So anyway, we're going to talk about, uh, we kind of finished the major kings. We're going to talk about some minor kings in, in Israel, and then we'll talk about King Asa of Judah. As a matter of fact, his reign covers almost all these other kings. Uh, also, as mentioned, I'm going to be gone. Randall's got it next week. Then uh, the Posies are going to take... Oh, okay. Oh, wait, who's Judy? <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Uh, here we go. Sorry, uh, Ian. I had my mind on the crossword tournament. What can I say? You know. Okay. All right. Anyway, the dean and the deans will do the next week. Now, just for here, if you want to, this is how I do my lessons. This is, as Vicki said, my office. So you got your PowerPoint here, got my Bible program here, Word documents here, and this is the Kindle app with my commentaries. That's the way nerds do it. Exactly. Powered by Diet Coke from McDonald's. <laughs> and you get extra points if you know what that is. Anybody know what that is? It's a USB extender, but no Doctor Who fans. Okay. <laughs> That's a little TARDIS. Okay. Nobody knows what that is. Again. <laughs> uh, come out come and talk to me afterwards. We'll talk about the TARDIS. Anyway, and Vicky's, Vicky's mad that I'm showing this. I, I didn't know she was going to be here this morning, but uh, my desk is not always neat. Okay, so let's, let's move ahead. We're going to talk about, again, these are the kings we're going to talk about this morning. You know, uh, we, we got through Jeroboam. He's going to be succeeded by his son Nadab, then Basha, Elah, Zimri, Omri. And then in Judah, we're going to kind of have two kings, a short reign by Abijah and a longer reign by King Asa. So we'll go through all these guys. It won't take long to get through Israel. This is our, our timeline, but we're talking about right in here. here. Here's Abijah, that little sliced area. I don't know if you can see it. Here's Asa, and here are all the other kings we're going to talk about today. With various reigns. This is really a busy slide, but it's got a lot of great information. You know, it's it's got the prophets in here. You know, Judah, or excuse me, Judah, Israel, the prophets, and the prophets are even color coded as to whether they're prophets about from the nations or prophets to Israel. A lot of information there. Anyway, so that's who we're going to talk about today. We'll go ahead and we're, we'll kind of go back. Remember last week? If you're here last week, we talked about Jeroboam how his downfall came, his son Abijah, and again, we're talking about, we'll talk about multiple Abijahs today, sorry, but his son Abijah gets sick, he sends his wife to go get prophet from the prophet Ahijah, not Abijah, Ahijah. This is why it's confusing studying the kings, okay? So Ahijah says, you know, uh, he's blind, but he recognizes her anyway. And he says, you know, I exalted you among the people, I made you a leader. Toward, you know, this is Jeroboam. He, he's the first king of Israel. He says, I took the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and you blew it. You know, you've not been like my servant David. You've done evil above all those who were before you, made yourself gods and cast images. Now, I didn't so much notice I not, last week that as much as I did this week. This last phrase, you have thrust me behind your back. I'm describing what Jeroboam had done relative to God. You know, he, uh, and I think that's, that's something we have to watch out for. You know, he, he could say, well, I'm still, I'm still a Jehovah guy. 
I still, but, but instead of putting God in the forefront, out in front, he's put him behind him. and said, I'm going to take over. I'm going to do things my way. So it's an, inter- it's, it's an interesting turn of phrase, I think, to say, you, you've, you've put me behind your back. You've thrust me there instead of putting God where he belongs out in front. So anyway, things, it's not going to go well. You may remember they said, I'm going to bring evil. I'm going to cut off every male bond and free in Israel, consume the house of Jeroboam just as one burns up dung until it's gone. And a phrase we'll see a couple of times today, anyone belonging to Jeroboam, if you die in the city, dogs are going to eat you. If you die in the open country, the birds of the air are going to eat you. So he, he tells him your son is going to die as soon as you turn home and the son does die. So, pretty severe punishment. All his family is going to be destroyed. Is it too harsh? It seems for us today, you know, especially as we look at the Old Testament, uh, there are harsh times, harsh punishments. How severe is his punishment? He, he's going to die. His his descendants, as we'll see later, are all going to be killed. Is that too harsh? Hard to go against God, I know. But, but I think there's another question that underlies that one, and that is, should leaders be held to a higher standard? You know, we've, we've got situations today that I never imagined we'd have when I was a child. We have, here in Nashville, we have a mayor who recently confessed to an adulterous affair that involved the misappropriation of funds, and uh, she expressed remorse and, and was forced to resign. In Washington, we have a president who, by all accounts, is a serial adulterer who's bragged about molesting women, and we have that on tape, but things are fine. So, you know, uh, it's a a weird time to deal with leaders. You know, there are very few people. Who do we look up to anymore? You know, and, and who... Who, who, can, who should we look up to? Who, who do our children look up to? You know, are, they, are they athletes? Are they, uh, are they the social media? Are they, are they the Kardashians? Who are our role models? It's, it's kind of scary. There aren't a lot of uh, sterling role models that I can see as I look around. You know, we can look hopefully within, within our, community, our church community and see role models. But if we look out on, in, in the world of politics, in the world of sports, the people who, who get the spotlight are increasingly people that, in terms of the morality of their lives, the way they order their lives, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want my grandkids emulating them. I'll just say that. You think about we've had kind of a curious relationship with our leaders. Yeah. When you consider it's been going on forever, but we chose yeah. to ignore it. Right. Roosevelt or yeah. or it's, it's hard to find a president in the last 60, 70 years that's not had some kind of extramarital affair. Jimmy Carter, I think, stands out as one who... Well, Harry Truman, I think. Harry Truman, I think, is a good one, which but, young folks don't even remember who they are. Almost take the light now and tearing them down. Yeah. There was kind of a, a, an understanding in the media... Yeah. Leave that, that side of life alone. Yeah. Gary Hart kind of. Yeah. Kind of dared yeah. the media. Well, find out something if you can. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and apparently, you know, a, a president who we all revere, John Kennedy, apparently had numerous affairs, and the press knew about it. 
but they, you know, they just gave him a free pass, and those days are gone. Nancy, Nancy or Judy, whichever one wants it. Tell us, I don't know what Bill... Well, he's been accused of having... Uh, okay. Former employees have, have accused him of inappropriate relationships with women, but there's no proof. There's no... You know, when they get these people in one-on-one, the elders have, the elders have, have basically come yeah. down on his side. Yeah. And it's just... It's just yeah. Yeah. Well, the church is the blind, probably first and foremost, for trying to cover that up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Forever, the, the church to me is the worst of yeah. failing everything. Yeah. So, Catholic uh, Andy Savage, the youth minister at Grace Point in Memphis, not Grace Point Cross, some some yeah. church, Holland, yeah. yeah. something. Um, so we always got we got to start looking at number one. Uh, buddy of mine leading a ministry, you know, Judge Grantham about pornography. He's coming out the Sunday evening show on W. All about going to church and hitting hard. And I said, man, the second you go out with this stuff, you know, you're going to be attacked by them. Oh, yeah. So my, my philosophy is we're all one bad decision away from being that guy. Absolutely. We're all one bad decision from being yeah. that guy, me included. So, I, so the second you put yourself, the point is, the second you put yourself up as a leader, yeah. you're going to get attacked, yeah. man. Yeah. But it starts That's, right here. We are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Church, churches historically have not done a good job of being open and candid. And, uh, well, I think individual Christians are the same way. Oh, yeah. We kind of try to hide what we've done because we're afraid. I think in some way we don't want to show people our sins that we sinned in the past or yeah. that we do all the time because we want to represent Christ. And what we're misrepresenting is that power he has to cleanse our sins. And, yeah. You know, we wonder why people think, well, I'm not good enough. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing that contributes to that is that we have sins and we have sins. <laughs> you know that, uh, and 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 you know we, we don't hear much about sin these days. Sin, sin's not a very popular topic, uh, but but we need you know we're all sinners. Uh, What's, 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 
the biggest barrier to having a confessor? To somebody you can go and, and confess to? What? I know what it is for me. Trust. It's got to be somebody you trust. I, I mean, for, tw- for 25 years, my, conf- my confessor, the person I trusted, was a Reformed Jew. Because <laughs> we, we'd jog every day together at lunch, four, you know, three or four miles. And he knew me better than anybody, and I knew him pretty well, too. And, and, and he was a person I knew that I could, you know, I, could, I could talk to, and it wouldn't go any further. And, and, he, would, and he, he wouldn't give me a free ride. He, he, you know, he'd, he, he wouldn't condemn me, but he wouldn't let me off the hook either if, I, if there was something going on. And, and you know, those, those relationships, especially if, if, like me, you're an introvert, are hard to come by. But that was one where, where, you know, over years we built up mutual trust, and I was pretty much com- comfortable telling him anything. Ironically, much more than anybody at the church I went to. But that's the way it works out sometimes. So anyway, Jeroboam's, okay. And I will just add this. Teachers, get, teachers are going to get judged. We don't know about anybody else, but if you're a teacher, you're going to be judged with greater strictness. And that's, again, I've told you, I take this very seriously because of that verse. So anyway, that's Jeroboam. That's why you have two monitors. That's right. That's why I have all those cables in the closet that Vicky wants to throw away. I guess... It's hard to justify that. <laughs> so anyway, Nadab takes over. He's the son of Jeroboam. Uh, and notice how things, you'll see this repeatedly in Kings and Chronicles. He's going to be dated relative to King Asa of Judah. And there'll be cases where the kings of Judah are dated relative to a king of Israel. But, so anyway, he reigns for two years, did what was evil. Uh, don't read a lot about Nadab. But anyway, Basha, who's now, he's not from Jeroboam's household, he, he decides he's going to take over. So meanwhile, uh, he, um, Nadab is down laying siege to this city. And so Basha decides he's going to go down. And said, so this is a good time to do it. While he's laying siege, he goes down and kills Nadab, third year of King Asa's reign. And kill, now he goes and kills anybody, any relatives who are left around, he kills. You know, this is, we talked about this before. When, when you take over, you, want, you don't want anybody else's people around. You want your people. We don't kill them in, in the business world, but we fire them or send, lay them off. Okay, no one was breathed according to the word of the Lord spoken by Ahijah the Shilonite. Not this Ahijah, but again, names are tough here in the Old Testament. Okay, did this because of the sins that Jeroboam committed, and it goes on that he kept on. So, now we have Jehu, not the Jehu who's going to be king, but Jehu who's a prophet. He comes and says, since I exalted you, you know, made you king of Israel, you've caused my people to sin. Okay, kind of the same language we heard with Jeroboam. Anyone belonging to Basha who dies in the city, the dogs are going to eat. If he dies in the field, the birds are going to eat. In other words, the same thing that was done that you did to Jeroboam's family, somebody's going to do to you. So what goes around comes around. Uh, but interestingly, I find this interesting, that even though he was an evil king, even though he was given this condemnation, he reigns for 24 years, which is a pretty long time. 
But we're told again that he did evil. He was not a good king. And again, what's going to happen? So now we come up, we bring Elah. He's eight, he is the son of Basha. So he's going to reign, and he's going to reign in the city of Tirzah. Reigns for two years, but now we find Zimri, who's uh, some kind of army commander. He has half the chariots. He's not the big general, but he's a general of some kind. He conspires. So uh, Elah is there in Tirzah. He's drinking, drinking himself drunk in the house uh, of the person there. So Zimri comes down, kills him, and in the 26th year of Asa, he succeeds him. So Zimri takes over as king, and uh, not going to be a long-lived king here, because he does what he said he'd do. He kills all the all of Basha's descendants. So again, the prophecy is fulfilled. Doesn't leave a single male. He destroys the house of Basha, according to the Lord spoke by the prophet Jehu. Now, how long does Zimri last? Seven days. Uh, sometimes it's not good to be the king, because what happens? If you're going to be king, you need, you need support, and probably the most crucial place you need support is in the army. So the troops are out there. Remember that they're apparently still besieging Gib, whatever the city is, Philistine city, and they heard Zimri has conspired and has killed the king. Therefore, all Israel made Omri, who's, remember Zimri was just, you know, he wasn't the, the main guy, but Omri is the commander of the army. So he's appointed king. So we have Zimri there. So Omri goes up, uh, and they go to, instead of, they leave this city they've been besieging, they go besiege Tirzah, where Zimri is. Zimri sees there's no hope, so he goes to the, to the king's house there, and I guess he fears he might as well commit suicide, but he's not going to leave a house for Omri, so he burns the house down takes a house, commits suicide. So this gets us through all these Israelite kings, but even with Omri, when he's, some of the people are following this fellow Tibni, the son of Ginnath, and they make him king, and half them follow Omri, half follow him, and so eventually uh, Tibni is overcome, and Omri becomes king of everything. So he reigned for 12 years. Six of these were in Tirzah, and then the rest, he goes and buys the city of Samaria, which is going to become the Israelite ca capital for the rest of the time we talk about. Buys it for two talents of silver. He fortifies it, builds a city called Samaria. So there's the new capital. And uh, here's a summary of Omri. Did more evil than all who were before him. You know, so and so, kind of similar to what we've read before, provoking the God, Lord God of Israel to anger. We do find some interesting things about Omri, though. This is a, a piece of stone, a stele, that was recovered from Tel Dan, which is a. And in, on it, it was discovered in the 90s, uh, there's a king who we assume to be Hazel, who boasts of his victories over Omri. And the house of, the house of Israel and his ally, king of the house of David. So this is almost certainly boasting about victories over Omri and Asa. So, we'll, and we'll come back, we'll see about Asa in a little bit more. So there's that record. There's also what's called the Misha Stele, uh, and it's a bigger piece. 
and I was reading, apparently this thing was, when they found it, it was all in one piece. And then the guys started arguing about who owned it. Broke it apart. Uh, pe people don't change. Anyway, it's very similar. It tells again about the king, uh, kingdom of Israel, the house of Omri, and uh, there's apparently a line that's in, in doubt, but it, one way of translating it would include the house of David. And it's, it's, it's the earliest extra-biblical reference to Jehovah or Yahweh. So we have, we're starting to get into a place now where we start to have archaeological evidence for some of this. Oh, I'd have to look it up. But uh, anyway. And, you know, the, and when we find the summary of Omri, I decided to throw this in. He says, are not, you know, aren't these written in the book of the annals of the king of Israel? There are a lot of, not, there are a lot of sources that would be neat to have. I'll just show you a quick list. Uh, you know, here's some, Book of the Kings of Israel, annotations of the Book of the Kings, written instruction of David the King, instruction of Solomon, Samuel the seer, Nathan, Gad the seer, prophecy of Ahijah the Shionite, which we just heard about, Edo the seer. All, the, all these are books that are cited in the Bible by the writers of Kings and Chronicles. They said, well, if you want to know more about this, just go look in the annals of Jehu, son of Hanani. So, there are a lot of books we don't have. It'd be neat if we had them, but uh, who knows? Maybe they are yet to be discovered, but I just thought I'd mention that, that all throughout these books, they refer to extra-biblical resources to say, if you want to know more, here's a book. So, here's, here's a summary of what we talked about. Nadab, two years. Basha, 24 years. Elis, two years. Zimri, seven days. Omri, 12 years. And notice we have four dynasties. In other words, Nadab is Jeroboam's son, Elah is Basha's son, but then Zimri and Omri are both all on their own. They're, they're not descended from the king. We, we don't see one house in Israel lasting for any length of time. Whereas in Judah, we're going to see pretty much down the whole line, they're going to be David's descendants. The house of David is going to continue to reign in Judah, despite being some bad kings. So, let's go back to Judah. We have Abijam, reigns for three years, had war with Jeroboam. We have about, you know, eight verses here and 22 verses in Chronicles to describe Abijah, or Abijam. I think it's, it's actually translated both ways. Anyway, and there's a little bit of enigma about Abijah or Abijam. Chronicles, uh, he seems to be a pretty good king, but you never see this statement. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Just you know, That's what we usually see for a good king. You don't see that, but you go over to Kings, and we see he committed all the sins his father did before him. His heart was not true to the Lord his God like the heart of his father David. So if you just read those accounts, you get kind of a very different picture of Abijah or Abijam. But this, it's always a danger when you're teaching to kind of take something you want to be true and make it true. But I... I want, this is something I think maybe may tell us what the story's about. When Abijah is defending his kingship and saying, you know, we're the good guys down in South Judah. You guys up in North Israel are real bums. Notice what he says. We have priests ministering Jehovah who are descendants of Aaron the Levites. They got the right guys in the pulpit. He says, we offer to the Lord every morning and every evening burnt offerings and fragrant incense. We set out rows of bread on table of pure gold. We care for the lampstand so the lamps burn. For we keep the charge of Jehovah our God and you have abandoned him. All these things are about doing that 
little that piece in the temple the right way. They're not about th- they're not about Abijah's heart. They're not about the people's heart. And again, I, it, it may not be appropriate. This may be pulling it too far, but to me it seems like Abijah's saying, all the external things, we're doing great. You know, we've got elders and deacons and, and we're organized right. We, we're, we're, we're checking off all these boxes. But he never, you never see anything about Abijah's heart. You never see, you know, at least I didn't see it when I looked in here, the idea that we're striving to follow God in the way we dispense justice, in the way we treat the people, in the way we, we interact with them. He's real good on keeping all the five acts of worship or whatever it is. But that's all we see. We don't, we don't, I, you know, I wish I could see that something, as we'll see with Asa, about his heart. But we never see that. And again, his boast makes me wonder. He never says, you know, the people are following God. We're, if, you know, if you read the prophets, talk about dispensing justice to the poor. You never see that. It's just all these externals. And to me, that may be why he doesn't get this statement. Even though he's, even though he's, he's doing all the things by the numbers, he doesn't get that commendation. And, and why Kings goes and says, despite, all, despite the fact that he's doing worship all the right way, he's not doing life the right way. And that's a danger. Alan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were written at different times and yeah. read them for two different reasons. And first and second kings they were written during Babylonian captivity. Yeah. Where the author or authors were making the point here's why we're here because we've fallen away from God. We're yeah. 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 And we all, you know, it's funny. I, I think most, I know I at least have this nice, this thing I wish we could say that we have objective history. You know, the old dragnet, just the facts, ma'am. But history is always written by people with, that have a point of view. You know, and, and so you can read, again, that's why we see. Abijam treated differently these two books. There's actually a couple different instances where first and second king was his no good scholar. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it is and again it, it's very interesting and it, it's puzzling but but it's just a fact that the writers as, as the writers looked at these kings and again they obviously consulted materials that we don't have and they and, and what I mean if 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 you view this as the key thing about being a Jew, then you, Abijam is a pretty good king. But if you look maybe, again, and I'm, this is my interpretation, but if you look at some of the more fundamental things like justice, mercy, maybe he wasn't. So, again. Um, uh, 
Let's go back there. Won't take but a second. Okay, here we go. Here's Asa. So, Azariah, Abijam, uh, Jehu, the prophet we read. Uh, so, the the big prophets that we like: Elijah, Micaiah, Amaziah, Elisha. Come later. Here, you know, with Joram and uh, Jehu, and uh, yeah, Ahab. You see a lot of that. So, but prophets are still playing a big part here. But uh, we'll get, where are we going to go? Back here, okay. So anyway, and the prophets are continually confronting these kings. You know, it's the prophets who call them justice. Here's and he, again to show you what a nerd does. I look. It said he had fourteen wives, became father of twenty-two sons and sixteen daughters. So I thought, well, he had nine. Those women were pregnant all the time. He only reigned three years, so. Average of 2.7 pregnancies for a wife, 24. That's what nerds do. They look at these numbers and say, wow, he kept those gals pregnant. But probably some of them had their children before he became king. But again, that's what my wife has to live with every day. Uh, there you go, Hilton. All right. Now, anyway, that's what she, you know. Vicky has learned, I go to her and I say, you know, there's something really interesting. And she immediately knows it's not. <laughs> that's, what she, that's what she's learned in these years of marriage. Well, the first two minutes are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway. Just cut it off after an hour. <laughs> anyway, she, she learns all these neat things. Anyway, so here's Asa. Now, it's, it's nice to have a good king for a change. Asa's there in Judah. And look what he does. He, first, he takes away the male temple prostitutes. He removes the idols. Uh, in a real big move, he takes his mother who, and, and removes her as queen mother. Uh, and said because she had made an abominable Im image for Asherah. And he brings gifts to the house of the Lord to the temple. So here's a guy that's trying to turn it around. And, uh, which is kind of a refreshing change. Uh, we have another little discrepancy here, but I think it's one easily removed. Chronicles says he removed all the cities from the cities of Judah, the high places, the incense altars. Uh, Kings, First Kings says the high places were not taken away. But then we have a passage, I think, in Chronicles that resolves it. It says the high prices were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was Charlie's days. Remember, he's king over Judah. So apparently, and remember, Chronicles just tells us about the kings of Judah. Kings tell us about the kings of Judah and Israel. So, so from the right, the, the, the guy who's writing Chronicles says, well, he took them all away. Yeah, they're all gone here in Judah. But the, the guy who writes kings says, well, they, they weren't all taken away. And then again, it's cleared up by this verse in Chronicles where it said he didn't get them out of Israel. I don't know how he was supposed to get them out of Israel. Yes? I remember from reading Missioners of the Swords, there was a similar kind of narrative where I think whoever, whoever was in power declared that they not go to the high places yeah. to worship. And people would, you know, even though they had been told not to, they still went back. Yeah. So it's not like they mowed down the mountains. But right, yeah. So anyway, all these high places in Israel at least remained. So, what is a high place, you know, uh, about just briefly, 
A lot of them were hilltop worship sites. They could also be structures that were built up in a city. Uh, they were used originally, most of them it seems, for pagan worship, but some were adapted to sites to worship uh, Jehovah. Uh, here's a pi picture of a high place, and it's a place called Erod. And the high place, notice, is built up back here. If you go closer, there are two of what archaeologists believe deity stones. And, and the, I think the current belief uh, from these archaeologists, remember, we're in Israel where worship has been perverted, is that this was a worship stone for Jehovah, and this may have been a worship stone for Asherah uh, uh, as a consort, a female god. Uh, here's a statue, a little votive statue of Asherah. Uh, she was in Sumer. She was considered the consort of the god Ahu, Anu, and then in the Ugaritic El. And in, in some non-biblical sources, she was viewed to be the consort of Yahweh, of Jehovah. And that shouldn't surprise us because we, that's what we've been reading. That these kings of Israel allowed idol worship, they allowed the worship of Jehovah to be perverted, and this is one way it was perverted. This seemed to be the breaking point for God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is... A lot of stuff. Right, this, this is too much. This, obviously, you notice the, the pronounced breast. This is probably a fertility goddess. In the King James, you won't find the word Asherah because it all is translated as tree or grove in the King James. Uh, it's only through archaeology that we've come to realize that this word that gets for Asherah actually is for a, a goddess and not just representing a clump of trees. But she was worshipped. There are Asherah poles. Here's an artist's conception of what it might have been. So I'm tearing one down. Uh, some, you know, archaeology is an inexact science. But here's one thing that people believe might have been an Asherah pole. Uh, here's a, a little stand. And remember, Asherah could also be a tree or a grove of trees. And here we see something that kind of looks like a tree that may have been an Asherah pole. So that was a common. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly what they look like, but we have some ideas. But again, Asherah was one of these gods that was brought in to pervert the worship. Let's finish up with Asherah. Almost done. Early in his reign, they're invaded by a million by this army of Cushites, and they're repulsed with God's help. Okay. Uh, years later, in the 36th year of his reign, he reigns about 40 years, uh, Basha attacks. Remember, Basha from Israel. He's going to attack, and it's interesting that rather than seeking God's help like he did against this army of a million, he goes to Ben-Hadad of Aram. Ben-Hadad already has a reliance with Basha, so he, sent, he takes gold and silver from the temple to break that alliance with Basha, and then again Ben-Hadad does defeat Basha. Uh, and again, one of these prophets we don't hear much about, but Hanani goes and confronts Asha, Asa, accuses him of not trusting God, and what happens to Hanani? Puts him in the stocks in prison. Being God's messenger in the Old Testament was not always a good thing. Uh, we'll talk about Micaiah later. Thought same thing. Prophesied ill of... Uh, I can't remember which king now will, but he was thrown in prison. Okay, Asa then meets his end. The 39th year of his reign becomes diseased in his feet. And uh, when he's, even when he's diseased, he didn't seek Jehovah's help, but sought help from physicians. And we're told in the 45th first year of his reign, he died. He's buried in a tomb, unlike all these kings of Israel who get eaten by dogs. Uh, laid him out 
various spices, made a very great fire in his honor. Almost sounds like he was cremated, I don't know, but anyway, so he meets an end, and one thing I think I want to think about about Asa is how does age change us? When he's a young man, Asa confronts an army of a million, and all he does is ask God for help. But when he's old, in the thir- again, 36th year of his reign, so he's probably in his 50s maybe, who knows? I don't remember how old he was when he became king, but instead of going to God, he make, looks for an alliance. And when he gets sick, rather than seeking God's help, he goes to doctors who probably weren't much help back then. So what happened? I'll just say personally, uh, as I've gotten old, I get more cautious. That's, that's kind of our tendency. You know, when, when, when my kids go to the airport, they assume every flight's going to be on time. They're going to make every connection. When I go to the airport. So that's why you leave a day early. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, anymore, if you, it, it, I fear if I get to the, where I'm going the day I'm supposed to get there, I'm a lucky man. You know, but, but I think as, 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 we, as we live life and we see that things don't always work out, we get more cautious. And there are good things about that, but for Ace, it wasn't. It was, he, he, for whatever reason, lost his, his reliance on God as he became old. So we're about through. But it's nice, despite all this, we have this statement, the heart of Asa. Notice the contrast to Abijam, who talked about this is what, the way we do things at church. Told that Asa was true all his days, which is a nice uh, thing to put on your tombstone, I think. Anyway, that's it for Asa. Any, anybody have anything we haven't mentioned about these kings you want to bring up? Again, I hope, I hope you're... And again, I find this interesting. You know, human nature hasn't changed. Uh, we still have people who are grasping for power. And, and like these kings, a lot of us still aren't willing to rely on God, but want to trust ourselves or human power. If not, Mr. Wilshire is going to tell us about, are you, about Ahab and the prophets of Baal, Elijah and the prophets of Baal next week. And then the the, de- the posies will talk about Ahab and Jezebel in general. Great, a great great couple. <laughs> what what we would call today a power couple. Yeah, we might call them Jezab. You know, like <laughs> how they take celebrities' names. Anyway, there, and then finally, uh, Hilton's going to talk about Jehu and Jehoshaphat. Get another good king in here. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for your comments, and uh, I'll see you in four weeks.